Welcome to the Dreamcast Podcast. My name is Daniel Bozinski, and my goal is to help you find purpose and become the greatest version of yourself. Every week, our promise is to deliver one-of-a-kind stories of individuals who are pioneering purpose in their life. These are people I personally would have loved to have as mentors and leaders in my life in the past, and now they're right here at our fingertips. The Dreamcast guests are willing to be authentic, genuine, and human about their struggles and success. To me, purpose is priceless. And if you're looking to make an investment into your life yourself, I believe you've come to the right place. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's get started. Today's guest is passionate about small business growth and leading with value. As the CEO of Four and a Half, he is helping property management companies grow and has generated $3 million in revenue in this year alone. He is the host of his own podcast, The Property Management Show, and has authored a book called Grow Your Property Management Business. Our guest is the former member of the board of directors for the California Chapter of National Association of Residential Property Managers. Wow, that's a mouthful. He now lives in the Bay Area and is here today to share his experience with helping small businesses take opportunities and what success can really look like. He's living out his purpose, one property management company at a time. Alex Osinenko, welcome to the Dreamcast. Wow, Daniel, that is an awesome intro. And just one quick correction, mate. Uh, I'm current member of California Association of Residential Property Management Property Managers Board of Directors, which is Cal Narpum for a quick. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's my fifth year on the board. We have restructured, but I'm definitely I'm I'm, I'm dedicating a good like say ten to fifteen percent of my work time towards that purpose. Well, like, um, did you come up with the name? <laughs> Have, no, heavens no. I, I was, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a member of five years, but it's been around for uh, many more than that. You know, it's funny. I think about like kind of going to that website. It's like California Chapter National Association of Residential Property Managers.com. Is it something like that? <laughs> Not from <laughs> California.org. It's a little easier. But, but yeah, it's, so it's an industry speak. In every industry, they have their own, right? Like you have to really understand uh, um, the, the, there's there's a bunch of people that get together and thinks think good thoughts in terms of like how to grow their businesses, how to help their industry, how to help their yep. customers better. And this is one of the organizations. They don't think about naming conventions as much, but the actual you know the workings of the organization is incredibly positive and it's and it's really helpful for everyone involved. You know from it from tenants all the way to landlords and the property managers themselves. But at the end of the day, you know marketing isn't there. Um, you so know. tell me, you said that you dedicate 10 to 15%. I mean, we're kind of just jumping right in, but tell me a little bit about that. So what specifically do you do um, with being on the board? So the major part of the CalNARPM, the major charge of the CalNARPM is put together an annual conference. So this year it's in April uh, in Napa, California. And and so putting together a conference is, I don't know if you've ever done it or any of your listeners have done it or participated in it, but it is a, it's, it's like a, it's like a unbelievable amount of work yeah. that volunteers get together and accomplish. So there's like six or seven people on the board and all volunteer, we're all volunteering our time, but it needs to be like, there's so many things that need to be organized and put together from the hotel negotiation agreement all the way down to name badges, uh, uh, you know, marketing to attendees, marketing to vendors, you know, collecting payments, following up on, on balance checks. I mean, man, it's a, it's a vast it's a lot of work. So cool. Well, hey, I'm, I'm really excited about this show. I mean, the just kind of who you are, what you do, being back on your website, looking at your team. Why don't you just start the show sharing a little background about yourself, where you grew up, 
uh, what your childhood was like and kind of what you're working on right now. Yeah, um, I'll give you a quick story and then we can just you can interrupt me if any any part you feel will be interested to you more interesting to your listeners. You know, I immigrated here in 1995 from Minsk, Belarus, which is you know ex part of Russia Republic. You know, um, you know, just like anybody else, we were on welfare for the first maybe eight months to a year. You know, the whole family I was 16 years old. The whole family, um, you know, my 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 dad and my mom are both uh, programmers, computer programmers, and you know, they had to learn the the way things work here in the U.S. before getting their first jobs. So, mm-hmm. you know, we were broken poor, just you know, just just like any any other immigrant. And then, you know, um, as you know, as life progressed here, we got more assimilated and. My parents found a job. I went to school, went to San Francisco State University, graduated, you know, did some software sales, actually managed the Radio Shack store for about five years. It was an incredible job. I love retail. And that actually, if anybody wants to build any kind of a successful future for themselves, I highly recommend digging down for a year or two in a in a hardcore retail environment. There's really? nothing else that's gonna teach you relationship give and take, you know, just just uh, just a variety of people that come through the door. You have zero control. Uh, you don't have to cold call, but man, they're in the door and they're wanting something and you got to either, you know, help them with what they want, but also hopefully, you know, get them interested in something else that you have. You know, Radio Shack was cell phones, right? Now, the whole company was based on, you know, uh, getting wireless accounts, right? Getting more people right. to uh, buy cell phones. And back in those days, not everybody had cell phones. It was an amazing time, but retail is foundational, Daniel. To me, it's it's like if you don't have retail experience right now and you're applying for my sales position, you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to impress me with your education and other things. Really? So tell me, tell me a little bit about that because that's interesting to me because you're looking at kind of real-life experience. It don't matter if you're, you know – standing behind a cash register at Kroger or you're in some other capacity of re like tell us a little bit about what specifically you're looking for in a retail position commissioned retail sales I'm not talking about a, a checkout clerk that's okay. you know, a Walgreens that is not a qualifier you're although about- it is in itself a, a tough job um but commission you be a robot doing that uh with, with commissioned retail sales Radio Shack Best Buy you know uh um yeah, co I mean Nordstrom specific Nordstrom and I love to hire bankers, people who, you know, personal bankers, people who, you know, are the base level uh, commissioned uh, bank salespeople. Man, I didn't know that even like some of those people you just named off, I didn't know they were commission based. It's kind of funny. Like they're, yeah. I mean, you think they're just kind of being kind, right? But well, it's like they are, we, but. We, as a salesperson back in, 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 you know, in a day in the 90s, late 90s and early 2000s, you know, looking for a job, you discover all kinds of different industries. And that's kind of how I know what these guys are all about is because, you know, I was at some point I wanted to get the job and never got the job. Or at least I learned about the particular career or job. And that's how I know. But, yeah, um, retail banking is, is, is just as good as retail. And, yeah, I feel these guys got, you know, but if you spend too long in there. You know, that means you're not ambitious enough or you don't believe in yourself enough to go look elsewhere. But two right. years in retail foundational. I'd, I'd say even if you want to start your own business and let's say you're an engineer uh, and you want to work, work on a business plan, I, I wouldn't, you know, go work at Nordstrom part-time, you know, do right. some sales, be, yeah. uh, you know, be all you can be, so to speak, in terms of in a customer environment. Man, I love that. I love your mentality behind that. It's like someone maybe listening right now is like, oh my gosh, that's not my personality. It's like, yeah, you got to go do it. You got to just go try it. I mean, just to kind of get out of your comfort zone and do something that you wouldn't normally do. 
I mean, I, I think that it's just paramount. If you're wanting to be an entrepreneur, someone that's at at any time, I believe that we're all salespeople. I sell my wife every day that she needs to, you know, keep loving me, maybe give me a back rub. I sell my kids every day when I get home. I mean, we have that ice cream. Hey, be a good girl for this. It's like, to me, being, you know, being in sales, I'm not a salesperson. It's like, well, I don't know how you're going to kind of make it through the next few years then. <laughs> or if you're going to get yeah, married, I mean right? People assign, Daniel, people assign negative connotation to being a salesperson. And, and yeah, there's some really, you know, there's some like used car sale. All the used car sales got a lot better too. Uh, just because the information availability for the, for the, for us, us, the customers is incredibly, you know, is incredibly there. So yeah. we're not dependent on the salesperson to tell us everything about the car. We should already know stuff about the car. But then, then again, you know, there's still negative connotation to sales, you know, People are afraid to talk to salespeople and stuff like that. But, you know, I walk in the Nordstrom and I have this guy, Alex. Um, you know, I don't shop for clothes at all. But I have to host this conference that we're going in January. And and I need to get some nice stuff. I don't own nice nice things, right? So I need to get like a jacket and, and pants and, you know, uh, um, and a tie. So, you know, and this person – and this guy, Alex, I go go see him every six months or so. And he, he just takes care of it for me. Like he's the salesperson. He's probably their best one. But he does service to me that it is unbelievably valuable. Like Just I cannot go it, right? to somebody else. Yeah. Like I wouldn't go to somebody else. He knows me. He knows my wife. We went to Nordstrom once together, and now he's asking after her. And and he's you know he's commit you know he knows kind of what I'm looking for and listens and yeah. I mean that's what I'm talking about. That's real sales, not shoving something them you know down somebody's throat that they don't need. That's not sales. That's that's cheating. So I just kind of like spent this time with this guy and it was a very humbling moment. He's like, you know, you're one of the best salesmen I know. And I said, well, the way that I look at sales is just, I'm trying to just get you what you need. And I'm not trying to sell you anything that you don't already want or won't make your life better. Like, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just think that if you have these things, they're going to be better for you. And to me, I love what you just said there. It's just a change of the mindset. Like, to sell someone something where they're going to have buyer's remorse is not sales. It's like to sell someone something because they really need it. Like, and if they use it and if they, if they apply it, it's like going to make their life better. That's amazing. Really love that. So tell me this. It's like Russia. That's pretty, pretty amazing. I've always wanted to go to Russia. Tell us a little bit about your history there. Maybe something you've learned from your childhood, kind of being in that uh, upbringing in that geographical location that you kind of use in your workforce now. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it, the formative years happened there. Obviously, the education system there is 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 very very good in terms of, you know, schooling the and universities as well to some extent. But you know, United States higher education is is on top of the world, like one of the best in the world. Um, no, no matter what people say, it is. It is like if you graduated from university in in in, in the United States, you can go work anywhere. So if you graduated from university in Minsk, you know, good luck getting a job here in the U.S. <laughs> it's just not gonna happen. <laughs> So, but their high school education is amazing. So the foundation was set, you know, and I was an entrepreneur back then because my dad didn't make any money. You know, he, he made 200 rubles. His salary was $200 a month um, as a, wow. you know, PhD in physics and a guy who's running like a, a power station. Well, essentially he's a chief engineer at the power station that powers a quarter of the city of 2 million people. You know, still like the, the salaries were minimal. So we had to, uh, as a teenager, you know, if you want to stand out and do, uh, fun stuff and, you know, hang out with girls and be respected and whatnot. You need to, you know, um, have nice things like shoes, for right. example, like just sneakers, right? The sneakers, 
Um, it was the biggest dream I had when I was, you know, like 14. Like I, I didn't have sneakers. Wow. <laughs> kids. I had kids, one pair, right? But no sneakers. And uh, yeah, and you have to go. So we um, um, we put together a little bit of a, of a kind of a business at a flea market selling um, what's called yuppie. It's a dry juice. Essentially, it was very, very popular. It's kind of a fad back then. Um, hugely popular because you couldn't afford like an orange juice or apple juice straight squeezed or anything like that. But you could put this powder in the water and make it a really nice, um, very good tasting juice. Um, so it was powder juice when, you know, they sold like hotcakes. So we make good money. Um, <laughs> uh, make very good money. In fact, by, by 5 to $10 a day, which is which was a lot more than my dad made, um, and I was able to. And you were fourteen. Uh, this business was started when I just turned fifteen, and I left at sixteen. So I did it for about a year. Um, you know, summertime when there's no school, did it, did it every day, morning to night, and now when the school go, school is on. You know, only on the weekends. Man, that's significant. You started you started as an entrepreneur like super young. Right. I mean, it was it was out of necessity, not out of uh, any kind of education, because entrepreneurship wasn't something that was in my mind, was seated in my mind early. Because you know, in Russia and 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 here in schools, they want you to be like everybody else, and that's I'm ch- I'm challenged right now. My daughter's going to school, and it's very very kind of it's a good school and everything, but everybody needs to be the same. It's they're not celebrating or developing the. You know the creativity, the the you know the different thought process. It's not being celebrated. It's being um, it's being pressed down a little bit. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I I guess that's the only way to run school because everybody has their own opinions um, and you allowed them all these different things. Then it's going to be a chaos. I don't know, but I'm trying to balance that right now with my daughter. Yeah, that would be like a struggle for me too, though, because I do believe in what you're talking about. It's like there's these cookie cutter programs, but at the end of the day. Like, I mean, my children, I just really hope that they're not kind of cookie cutter kids. I really hope that they kind of supersede my expectations and kind of break out of even the limitations I put on them. Because, I mean, as much as I want to think that I'm all that, I even feel like my kids are going to kind of amaze me on what they do with what they're handed. And uh, I do that, definitely think that there's an opportunity for something there, though, right, for the education system. You know, that's, that's really cool to hear your perspective on that. So tell me, you, you, know, you moved to America and then you kind of – really you go to college when do you kind of decide this industry you're in now because you're running this successful company and and how did you kind of fall into that um i'm blessed i would say but it you know the the, the level of a give up list i had to compile and, con- and and commit to is unlike most uh unlike any that i say most people would accept um you know just you know, having a child and your wife being pregnant, and taking a taking risk and you know giving up a comfortable job with a significant with a good six figure salary and moving on your own, moving back to your parents because you just couldn't afford your own your own home mortgage, uh, having to rent that out. It, those are the challenges that you know unless you financially have good financial backing, those are the challenges you have to be prepared for. But you know you cannot not do them. Um, and expect, you know, um, you cannot be, you cannot do things as you just said. You cannot do do things the same every time and expect different results. You have to get out of your comfort zone. But right. the short answer to this is, you know, it, it's all luck, right? It's you just have to be curious. The only, I think, the only Daniel, the only thing, if if listeners forget everything we we just talk about, one most important thing in your life, you know, forget the retail sales experience, all that stuff. Curiosity, like 
the natural curiosity, like being interested. Like you get in a company, don't just, you know, don't just sit there nine to five and, you know, do the thing that you need to do. Ask people, you know, ask join meetings, ask join sales call, different calls and figure out what the company does, figure out what the opportunities are. You know, don't talk, but listen a lot, ask questions and, and, and be inquisitive and curious. And that is the ticket because at some point, all that curiosity will be rewarded with this opportunity where you feel you fell ass backwards into, but in reality, you worked, you intentionally asked your way all the way down to opportunity. Does that make sense? Yeah, like I'm like loving it. I'm taking notes because, so don't you think that we need to put like a disclaimer though? Like be careful because like once you, like once you start being inquisitive and once you start asking questions, like you kind of realize that your reality could be better and greater. And it's, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a, the most joyous journey, but like, if you're okay with being safe and that's all you want, like, don't ask questions. But if you're like, cause it's a little dangerous. That's what I'm saying. Like it, when, when, what I've realized is when people begin to be curious, they're just, it's this amazing never ending journey that they kind of begin right there. Ah, that's a, that's a very good point. You know, there's also a line between being annoying and curious, right? You right. want to help other people and, and also discover things as you go. I mean, one thing that influenced me immensely is, uh, and I read this book in Russian first time, you know, uh, every, everybody know, or you should know it. It's Dale Carnegie's, you know, how to win friends and influence people. Right. And it's all about caring for other people, asking questions. And the, the whole sales secret of being a successful salesperson is not being able to talk. I started my sales career without speaking English very well. Uh, <laughs> it, is, is, it is the ability to listen and ask questions and care. Yeah. That is all. So Alex and Nordstrom will ask me questions. What what kind of event is this? How do other people dress? Do you have any pictures of other people? I mean, he would go and ask me all these things before before running around and suggesting um, the highest price tie or whatever this is, you know, that, that I'm looking for. He actually got my story, took the time to learn, and then and then suggest the wardrobe that matches exactly what I want to be. That, well, I think that that's like the future, right? It's like, so what type of questions can people can begin to ask themselves to kind of be a little bit more curious? You know, so maybe someone's listening right now, they're working for someone else, they're enjoying their life, but they're just kind of realizing, hey, I've got something that I want to create that's kind of bigger than what I'm doing right now. What are some, you know, curious questions? Um, well, start with what's around you, right? Um, you know, what does... How does my company really work? Like you think you know, but in reality, unless you start asking questions and digging a little deeper, you know what the customers really care about. So you're on the phone with the customer. You, you, you I, let's say you IT support and you, you're servicing their, uh, you know, 14 of their desktops and they're moving to cloud, you know, and you're waiting for the upload or download or you're on site. You just start talking to them like, hey, so why are you guys moving to cloud? You know what? What made you? Uh, uh, decide to move all of your stuff to cloud and undergo this incredible expense of this IT setup to go to cloud and what motivated you and then just listen and then they're gonna give you a long answer because you know they find who oh, somebody cares let me tell them the story somebody cares nobody cares these days nobody listens we're so fast it's but so true when you start caring uh, and, and asking questions all of a sudden people will find you be very friendly and they'll be more than happy I mean most of the times to to share information so you you know we're talking about you know 
all of these ideas and I love your practical application just so you know because you know when you're when you're sitting there behind the desk and you're kind of running through programs that your company's told you to run through or you're, you're kind of busy with your hands like why are you doing those things it's kind of just kind of bringing out the purpose of of what's happening around you I love that because even just what you talked about is like this awareness when you kind of bring forth an awareness you can't not be aware after you start becoming aware right it's like I really really enjoy that so just out of curiosity like you speak Russian? I do. Okay, can you can you kind of like give us a little Russian really quick? What's that sound like? Конечно могу. Это мой я даже лучше по-русски говорю, чем я говорю по-английски, это точно. That is amazing. What did you just say? I said I speak Russian even better than English, I think. Oh my gosh, man. Like I've always wanted to go to Russia. T- tell me a little bit about Russia. I'm very curious. <laughs> yeah, well, it depends. It depends where you go. It's it's a good place to visit. I don't know if it's a good place to make a career and make life for, for your family because the simple, you know, if you want to honestly do good in this world and make an impact, be, being in countries, a corrupt, let's just call it corrupt countries like that, it's going to be very hard. You're going to have to do wrong things to, to do the right things. And the opportunity here in the U.S. is to do the right things by doing the right things is is just amazing and unmatched um so if you are ethically not you know completely there you know sure opportunities are pretty abundant uh to make a <laughs> buck and um but if ethics is uh paramount to you uh, to, and, and your purpose is connected to it then you know i would say um you know so how about a around. visit though like where would i visit like what would i i mean what would i do i don't know it's just so much to see there is a very rich history and culture. You know, it's, you know, U.S. been, you know, what, around for 250 years. You know, Europe and, and Eastern Europe, they've been around for, you know, thousands of years. So in terms of civilization being developed, um, you know, language being developed, uh, you know, all the wars and, and all the um, all the historically significant events happened there. So, you know, anywhere you go, it's museums, it's, uh, it's the, you know, old churches and, and just, just uh, entertainment wise it's also great you know, just i haven't been there in a long time though so i'm my my perception is fairly stale well let me know next time you go maybe i'll jump on the trip with you <laughs> <laughs> it'll be a while so tell me this like we're just going to kind of jump back in what does success look like for your company you're kind of talking to your employees people that work with you you've got this idea of success for your, for your your personal life your company what's that what's that mean what's that look like well i sent an email out um to the team, you know, um, with a happy new year message. And, you know, it, it's pretty clear what our purpose is. You know, our purpose is to, you know, uh, build a company that cares about its people, whether it's customers or um, or employees, mainly employees first, customers second, shareholders third. That is my, that is my kind of a, a, a hierarchy. And, you know, we want to, for, for systems and processes and all these wonderful technologies exist only for one purpose, that is to support people to do their jobs and achieve their purpose, not because we want systems and technologies for efficiencies in its own sake. We want them to aid and abate people in, you know, help people do their jobs well. So my, my goal is, is, you know, we want a constant growth. That's one thing because without constant growth, the opportunities diminish, and uh, you can't attract quality, you know, enter- enterprise, entrepreneurial-style people into your organization just because 
there's a ceiling and you know someone has to die for them to get promoted <laughs> die meaning quit or, or leave or, or actually physically die and right. that's not good the opportunities <laughs> need to be constantly created um, so so those are the kinds of things that that, that we strive for and you know my next goal I want to build a hundred million dollar company and because I feel like there's opportunity for good business to exist and we want to make a larger we, 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 we figured it out on a small scale. I mean, three million is not a lot um, in the grand scheme of things. It is, it is a good achievement, but you know we're not going to sit there and just enjoy our success. We need to kind of pu- continue to push forward. And there, there are significant changes that need to be made. There are significant um, new uh, opportunities need to be opened up and explored at high costs uh, and high opportunity costs. So it's still, it's still a, a it's always a challenge. It's always a drive forward. Well, I love what you said too, though. Success is kind of almost verbatim. You said supporting people to achieve their purpose. That's kind of what you do with your employees. That's like super keywords for me. Tell me a little bit about what it is to achieve. Like, how do you help your employees, your customers kind of achieve their purpose? Uh, By, you know, number one is caring and listening, right? Understand the problem before you go and start digging into it. Um, you know, um, education, you know, uh, alignment, you know, make sure that there's no internal team competition uh, for a, um, you know, for a specific purpose. So, uh, you know, the teams internally need to be aligned and they need to benefit from each other's success. Not otherwise, it's easy to say, but it's very, very hard to do because there's there's a lot of very, very smart people here and they all have their drives and they all have their you know, um, their specific ideas on how things are done. We, we want to open up um, the flow of ideas, but you don't want to have constantly um, constantly shifting things where there's no stability. So there's, there's a balance, right? There's a balance between running an organization and putting systems in place and also accepting new ideas and iterating, testing things all the time. So we have an internal growth team. The growth right. team is four people and they're responsible. They're, they're basically the idea collector all the way down to idea implementer and tester so each one of them have their own jobs you know one is to you know all the way up from you know the top of the funnel is filtering the the ideas and all the way to the bottom is implementing the ideas and in the middle is testing and all the other things that that get involved that are involved with implementing new systems new ideas new tweaks um elements of the culture that that kind of support our our mission yeah there's just there's just there's no quick answer, um, right. Daniel. It's, when was it, it was three of us or four of us? We still did it, but we did it at a you know it was easier to control. It was it was me kind of driving it. Right now, I'm supporting it. I'm not driving it. Well, and it sounds like the way you kind of help them find success is to find success in what they do because it's just like this idea of being a part of something that's bigger than you and being a part of a team that's kind of for each other. I mean, those are huge accomplishments that people can rally around. I think that people are trying to find that. They're trying to find not just success, but kind of significance in what they're doing, that it's part of a, a bigger thing than just today. So, But the end of the day, Daniel, at the end of the day, our customers rely on us to provide them with growth, right? So we're a small business marketing company. You know how difficult this is in the – it's it's almost it's so easy. I can see why marketing companies get, get a bad bad name, a digital marketing specifically, because your client has no idea what you do. Like they have zero understanding, literally zero understanding of what you do, and even less on how you do it, right? right. But but you have to show results. You cannot just be charging people a thousand bucks a month 
which is little, to be honest with you. On, on the amount of things that you need to do is is incredible uh, to move the needle for a small business, competitive, you know, competitive small business in the local area. Um, yeah. It is it, you, know, you have to deliver. Uh, like all, all those culture things, all those kumbaya things, that's a great, great thing. Um, but you got to deliver first and then figure out how to deliver better and iterate and improve. And that's what I'm very, very proud of on, on our team. It's, it's, we're able to deliver results. Yeah. And, and that's not easy. Day, small business, man, uh, small business, they have very, they don't have a lot of budget. They have even less time. And, and if we can't show them results, they can die. Um, and that's not good. Right. And, and, and I can even say firsthand, like kind of moving the needle, like you said, I mean, that is so easierly said than done. It's like, that is very difficult to do. And that is a whole lot of front loaded work for that. So yeah. just another question that kind of comes up is like, when it comes to the word wealth, what does that mean to you? Car collection. Car collection. <laughs> Let's hear more. I'm obsessed, man. I grew up, um, Without a car, always wanting a car. My dad finally got a car uh, because my grandpa was a, a World War II veteran, and he was able to get one of the Soviet cars. Um, after being three years in in waiting, they had like these reservation systems, and so my my grandpa gave the car, well, bought the car with my well together with my dad uh, for my dad, and we had this brand new car, and I was so and my dad taught me how to drive when I was twelve and. But we didn't have enough money for gas. I'm not even kidding you. We don't. We didn't have enough money for gas, so the car was just parked. You know, oh 95% of its time, we took buses, we took trains. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So, man, um, I thought life was gonna be amazing. You know, once we had a car, but we didn't. Uh, it wasn't. But anyway, so I'm obsessed about cars. Like my office right now, if you see it, I have all the cars. Like I like like I have a 13 year old's. You know. Uh, uh, bedroom kind of office. <laughs> I'm I'm super into 90s Japanese cars because that's when I was you know, came here. I was able to afford my first car, which is Nissan 240SX, which is an amazing car, real wheel drive. Crashed it six times. Um, it was great, man. Uh, so I'm I'm very kind of physical as far as like what what wealth means to me is I want to have a st like uh, we're talking about like Jay Leno's garage. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with his uh, uh, passion for cars. I'm the kind of the similar way. So wealth, I, I already, I'm already wealthy. I have a good family. I have a good business. I love everything I do. You know, I get invited to shows like this, which is I'm immensely honored. By the way, thank you for that. Yeah, um, awesome. So people, you know, people feel like okay, I can give the world stuff already, but I need <laughs> wealth for me is is a car stable. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. I just appreciate your answer there too. Just to do a little personal shift too. What do you do on your like your free time, your days off, and, and do you even do that? Um, I don't do a lot, man. I do like if I don't work, it's family um, and friends. That's it. I, I really don't do a lot. I don't I don't. My time is very, very valuable to give away, to take away from my family. So it has to be of incredible importance for me not to do either family or work. There's really so nothing. else. It almost seems like, though, you have to really enjoy your work to be able to do that, though. Right. Love my job. No doubt. That's the only way. It's like if you don't really love what you do, that's just like not good. It's not a good equation. <laughs> All I was gonna say, it's not all cake. It's it's challenging. It's difficult. People people get upset. We have customers that are uh, demand re refunds. We have people that are um, you know selling their businesses and they need some help instantly. With you know, there's some internal employee issues. You know, somebody. You know, there's always things. There's always challenges. This is not cake. 
I love my job because of challenges it presents and opportunities as well. Like I'm sitting here doing forecasts for the 2017 and, you know, somebody walks into my office and says, okay, um, you know, this and that, you know, this customer is on a ledge. We got to, you know, we got to do something, something happened or we, we made a mistake and now we have to figure out how we can make it right. You know, th things like that happen. We have over 500 customers. It's, it's incredibly, um, a lot of responsibility. So I do a lot of, face-to-face -face with customers, I, st I still am accessible and available. So, you know, that takes emotion and time. So so it's not all cake, but I do enjoy it immensely. Man, it's so Man, cool. It's cool. I love just even what you're talking about there. I mean, most, we all think that's just this simplistic lifestyle where everything goes right. And it's like, you know, you know it's, it's, it takes work to be able to have a company. I mean, let alone 500 customers that want to have access to your time and, you know, call you up and talk to you anytime they want to. I mean, it's just like a lot of pressure there. True that. Not really anytime they want to. We have an incredibly like effective team and I'm thankful for that. But sometimes things need to be escalated and, and people want personal attention. And I have, I have immense, immense friendly, like deep friend relationships within this industry. So a lot of customers are actual friends now. So, you know, we, we, you know, we, we need to talk and connect. I need to keep that friendship going and, and give something back for, whatever questions they have and you know, to respect my opinion i respect that so i give that time so just a side note with that too it's like you've kind of really you're like in a niche market in a niche market in a niche market like tell us a little bit about that because you do like only property management companies social media marketing marketing in general like what had gotten you to do be so um specific in what you do yeah so it, and it's again it's being curious right so I got laid off from the job I loved. I loved that job. I made a lot of money. I was number one salesman. I thought my job was secure. You know, out of like 10 or 11, I was number one. Nothing nothing prepared me for getting laid off uh, when the 2008, I think, whatever it was, or it was 2009, something like that, or 11, I can't remember. But <laughs> back then, you know, nobody hired um, software salespeople. And that was my kind of, that was my, at that time, that's what, who I was. He was a solution sales for software companies. Um, SaaS company. So, um, you know, I, you know, I got, I got so upset for doing nothing for like first 30 days, then 60 days. I got a dog and, uh, you know, I, I invested my time in training the dog because that's like, so that's, that's the only, like he actually let me, um, uh, stay sane. Um, and cause nobody hired, you know, it was just, like number one salesperson. I thought I had a maid. Right, you know what I mean, and being like completely unemployed, unable to pay your own bills. I mean, that like hit you out of nowhere. You got it, man. And then so this company called Propertyware was the only one that returned my call for the uh, interview, and I went in there and, and uh, in San Francisco downtown. And what they did, they they provided software and accounting solution for property managers. These guys were growing. Everybody else were like, were terrible and terrified and laying off people, and these guys were doing good. They're growing. I'm like, whoa, that's great. Uh, so I got hired for half the price, right? The CEO was uh, uh, figured that he could get people for cheap, um, and he was right. He could because I, you know, I I took a half, fifty percent pay cut to go work there to do some work, and that's kind of how I landed into the property management. I I got to be curious and and learn what our client challenges are, who our clients are, what they do. Like I had no idea who property managers are. I had no idea what they did or how they did it or they, or they even existed. Like their existence was beyond me at that point. So I learned everything six months, then started working for another software company, uh, which I loved, uh, called Appfolio. And then in a year and a half, two years, I did some presentations and did some speaking at the NARPROM 
chapters for our folio as a software salesperson. And I found that you know everybody wanted to know marketing. Like all the property managers uh, uh, were, a, were really interested in how to market and grow their businesses. So I thought, okay, that's gotta be an opportunity. And I took six of my customers, we went uh, whitewater rafting, and we sat down after the trip, and back then I was still employed, right? Was still in that portfolio. And I'm like, you guys, if I can do your marketing for you, and it shows results, would you would you hire me? They're like, yes. Everybody says yes. I quit in a week. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and just, just figured it out, man. I had no idea how to do marketing. I, I'm not a marketer. I have no clue. Um, I do have kind of web 2.0 degree from San Francisco State, so it helped me understand the coding and a little bit of the internet environment, all those things. I did software sales. But you know, marketing is for small businesses is very, very unique and it's it's completely like you have to be a practitioner and learning really well for you to get any kind of success there. And so I committed to that. And that's that how so that's cool. it came to be. Well, I love that you did. Like you were in a market and you found a niche in that market. Like I think that I've listened to a lot of individuals that say kind of the more uh, specific you can be, the better you're gonna be in the clarity of as far as what they're getting, what you're providing. It's like it's pretty clear for your organization. So so just to end the show with two different questions, um, you know, what's one thing that you kind of value most in your life right now? My people. I I can't say enough on their for their trust and their kind of a and and the way they and the way they're they're committed to the cause. I'm I'm constantly amazed by how much care they I'm not even kidding you, how much care they show in everyday interactions with clients or partners or anything else to help move this organization forward. Like the u- the unit we are, like if we go to war, man, we'd be hard to beat. <laughs> like we would be hard to beat. I feel like, I feel immense satisfaction from that and I want to kind of continue. Like the book on my desk right now, you know what it is? I'm going to read it to you. The title called Worth uh, Doing Wrong and this is by Arnie Malam. And it's uh, it's basically the quest to build a culture that rocks, right? So I, I feel we already have a good culture, but I'm constantly, constantly committed to continuing this momentum. And, you know, um, just just I think that is the most important thing for me, and that's what I want to continue. That's the same direction I want to continue. There's, there's no satisfaction. Um, I wouldn't be – I wouldn't like going to work if I didn't have that. I'll tell you this much. Man, so cool. Even if I, I got paid twice. That. Yeah. I feel the same. I feel the same thing. It's like it's the people that I get to do life with that kind of really make it as enjoyable as it is, right? Yep. So just to kind of end the show, would love to hear your answer for this. If you could go back to your younger self and kind of give yourself advice, what would you say? I I wouldn't waste my time when I was um, – uh, 18, 19, 20, 21, I listened to all these podcasts, uh, uh, Mixergy, you know, your podcast, I have like four or five more I subscribe to. I see these young people building immense companies like Box.com, I mean, the dude with Airbnb. I mean, man, I what the hell did I do with my time? Um, <laughs> God, wake the hell up. Look at the opportunities around you. Get curious and get to work and don't rush into anything just because everybody else is doing it, but be mindful and start building what you wanna do in your mind. And even if you're 55, fantastic, great time to start. You know, right. it's probably, it was probably, you're probably even gonna be more successful faster in whatever you define as success um, than, than, than a 20 year old. But 
But yeah, you just I, say, you I, just I say like start, right? I'll, I'll start. Yeah, the best time to plant the trees today and or yesterday, and you know, uh, uh, however the saying goes, I'm, I, don't, I don't own the saying yet. But anyway, yeah, it's a good time to start now. And uh, and, and by starting now, I don't mean to quit your job and do your thing. Um, just be curious and start start learning. There's so much out there. I see people. I see people. Even some of my friends. Okay, they go to work nine to five. They come from work. And they do whatever it is they follow. They do sports. They do their, their, their they do their leagues and whatever the, the stuff they do and all kinds of different uh, uh, you know play games, computer games, all that stuff. That's fine. If that's you know if that's what you want to do, that's great. That's why the employment exists in nine to five and it's great. But if you want to continue building yourself, you got to self educate. The podcast I found is the most amazing um, vehicle to get you. Um, to get you moving forward, to get you from where you are today to where you want to be tomorrow. I, I mean, there's that, so much information out there. You just got to pace yourself and, and commit to ed- self-educating, reading books, following the podcasts. Um, and man, that's that's the I way to like, do it. I think that podcasts are just like the best thing is they just kind of make you curious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, and, we're early on this kick, but I, I really do. I really don't say that jokingly. Like I feel like whenever I'm doing these shows, I'm just – kind of curious what Alex is going to say and it just keeps me engaged it keeps me excited and then kind of listening to your life I'm like it just gives you hope that it's possible that everyone out oh, there yeah. is human you know oh yeah and you know one thing I have found in podcasts that, that fascinates me is people say things during those hour-long interviews that you won't hear in their you won't read in their books you won't see on tv it's just it gets intimate, man. It gets between one person, you know, you and I, Daniel, have a conversation, and we have you know mutual respect, and and we just riff and we talk about things that we feel important. But I wouldn't put that in my book. Some of the things like the car collection, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about that if I ever have a book right. and stuff like that. But, but there's other nuggets besides just you know physical car collection stuff. Or there's other nuggets that people just convey during those interviews that you wouldn't get anywhere else. That's why I love podcasts. It's just. It's that intimate nature to get into that entrepreneur's mind and see what yeah. makes it tick and how it made they made things work. Whatever. Man, so true. It's like I feel that exact thing you just said And whenever I do these interviews. It's just like getting into someone's mind at a different level. Well, Alex, thank you so much for coming on the Dreamcast. I really appreciate that. Daniel, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, you just listened to Alex. He is really finding his purpose, one property management company at a time. If you've been listening to the Dreamcast, just want to say thank you. I just am so honored to be able to kind of host this weekly and and be the opportunity for you to invest in yourself. I believe that becoming your greatest version starts by doing something because doing something is greater than doing nothing. See you guys next week.